like a buddy cop movie where both guys are the loose cannon. It's Sin the Fields. Won't be the same. Next time you see me. Welcome to Sin the Fields. I'm Ted Whistle. I'm Patrick Stegamilly. Pat, we've got a big show today. We just cooked up perhaps our grossest subs only segment idea <laughs> of all time and keep in mind there's no way that's true <laughs> i mean this is the grossest premeditated idea i don't know if mm. talking about it will kind of like temper what we share in this segment but we've got a uh, we've got an interesting one so make sure you stick around for that but before we get into anything else today i want to talk about the hot new meme sweeping ultimate Twitter. Of course, I'm talking about Stubbs and <laughs> Vandenberg. <laughs> I can't I can't express how much joy this has brought me <laughs> over, over, over the past week. Yeah, like uh, last week at some point I was drinking beers on the couch and I was like, you know, in my YouTube suggestions, it was like... Uh, I guess I'd gone too far off the disc golf coverage path where the algorithm decided to force feed me a an old, familiar, <laughs> forgotten brand of entertainment. And uh, it was like, hey, college semifinals, UNC versus Harvard in the men's division. I was like, yeah, I'll check this out. This is the Stubbs and Vandenberg game. And then I was watching and I got to a point where I'd had enough to drink that I <laughs> we started just passing back. <laughs> Pictures of twins and like white people that look alike <laughs> with the caption Stubbs and Vandenberg. <laughs> I want to say that people have got it and embraced it. They haven't, although shout out to Charlie Lowe who posted the uh, like two white guys in Harlem ad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and quote tweeted it with Stubbs and Vandenberg. That was fucking brilliant and you should be commended for it. If you have time to kill. Send them our way. Tag us. Unless they're terrible, you know you're going to get some action from us. So, This has been the only positive stimulus I've gotten from Twitter in like eight months. Yeah. So I've had a real blast. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. For yeah. <laughs> we've, we've lost, I will say we've lost like eight followers since, <laughs> since we started doing it. Yeah, the Stubbs family has like, Hired companies to like get bots to unfollow us, or whatever. <laughs> All the bots that Charlie paid for us at the beginning. Well, positive stimulus this time of year is hard to come by and very sad when you get it on Twitter. But this coming weekend, Pat, this show will come out on Friday. And just know mm -hmm. that that next day, this coming Saturday, February 27th, is traditionally Nocturnal Decisions. In New Jersey, just an awesome mm -hmm. overnight tournament that fucking rules. And uh, I didn't go last year because I thought I had the New Orleans tournament last year, Fire on the Bayou, and it was the same weekend. And But, man, that is, like, just one of my favorite tournaments. And I think I drafted it when we appeared on the 7500 Club. It's so awesome. You did. I'm People who have been listening to the show for a couple of years might remember that. I So I went for the first time in, I think, 2017, and it was, like, pretty horrible experience for me <laughs> for a lot of reasons you were dealt a tough um, hand i got dealt a tough hand i remember thinking um on the show last week when we had ravi and liam from eurozone on 
and Robbie was you know apologizing for what he which to be fair Robbie you don't have to apologize for hooking me up uh, with a bad team at this like random Dutch beach tournament because I'm just an interloper I'm glad to just be there to play on any team the fact that it was like your college's dog shit B team you know what still a good time but he said like that must have been like the worst team you ever played on and I I think it was but the the only other thing that comes close was the team that I played with at Nocturnal. And playing with a really horrible team at an overnight tournament, it's like Kafka. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's, 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 it's rough. That said, I would walk over hot, broken glass right now to yeah. go play at Nocturnal again. I was going to this year. You know, that was like the plan before I, all this happened. I wanted to give it another shot. But uh, yeah, man, it's tough. Just another, just another one in the calendar ticking by. And things are looking pretty good for potentially later in this year. A lot of the vaccine news. You know, I'm mostly just getting my news from Charlie. So just <laughs> listen to Charlie. I don't, have any, I don't have any novel insight to share here. You know, like it still seems like Wildwood could happen this year. Certainly some of the stuff later down the road. But there's more like earlier in the year stuff like Nocturnal, not going to happen. Fool's Fest, I think, has already been canceled. Yeah, they bagged it, like, uh, first weekend of December, I think. You got to respect that in some ways, I guess. Just uh, don't get people's hopes up. You know, don't have anyone trying to, you know, stay in shape for Fool's Fest. Right. I mean, yeah, I don't want the false carrot dangled in front of me at this point, especially when the stakes are something as fun as Fool's. Right. I'd rather just, like, make plans to landscape that weekend or otherwise move on with my fucking life rather than like the Wednesday before cancel the fucking cabin or whatever. And it's one thing if it's the carrot of like nationals or regionals or something when it's the carrot of fools or tournament like that, where it's more of the just total escape from the realities of life that a party tournament can be having that (laughs) carrot taken away from you is like way worse than, you know, regionals gets canceled or something. Anyways, I guess that just means another year that I get to be a defending Fools champion. Yes. I won in 2019, so it's like, man, three years straight now. This is great. When it comes back, you and your team need to have, like, the jerseys, like, I think Wisconsin and Brown have, like, stars or some kind of indicator for how many they've won. (laughs) But, like, the totally unearned, unfounded troll everyone, like, Okay, so we've won three in a row. Right. We've won three in a row. So, like, we will be going the pre-flip color that is most like our ridiculous costume, and you'll just have to fucking deal with it. Okay? Because we we are an institution now. We are (laughs) arguably the greatest team in the history of Fools. Three years straight. You will address me as Pat Wafsey. Henceforth. (laughs) Oh, man. I... Can't imagine a way to garner worse karma than by <laughs> talking about it. Like yeah. This. <laughs> yeah. No, I, <laughs> you know, I'm more in the passing of fools. I'm optimistic about some of the stuff for this summer, but it's hitting me right now, weirdly, because again, like the nocturnal experience that I had was miserable, just sleep deprived, losing, horrible. I didn't do it right. Like it was my first overnight tournament and I didn't get the balance right with all the various chemicals you need to ingest at points over the night and i just did it just went as wrong as it could go and i still feel like deep remorse that i'm not able to experience even just that again cramming inside 
with uh, 100 sweaty Frisbee people. Mm. Yeah, it's a real shame. One of my favorite parts of the night is talking to Sandy Canetti. He's like an Altifotos guy. Right. He's Seth Churchmouse Canetti's dad. Like Seth went to Cornell. So this guy's like an he's an old time Metro East photographer. He recently reposted a bunch of 2005 Metro East regionals picks like, hey, this is when my son was playing and whatever. But talking to Sandy every year and he's like, gotta be 60 or something in a grandfather at 2 a.m. Like, Sandy, you're still doing it. I'm getting too old for this shit. You know, it's like the same <laughs> thing every year. And he provides great images. And uh, I think he packs it in around three because the quality of play has diminished. <laughs> <laughs> and you just don't really want evidence at that point. Right. Oh, here's that, here's that savage backpack. Right. <laughs> from a tired, pilled-up guy onto a freshman idiot from Marist. Okay, serious question. Is Nocturnal actually good, or do we just hate ourselves? Okay, well, overnight tournaments are inherently not quote-unquote good, but it's a battle of attrition. Okay. So there's a standard you can measure yourself against. It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm 32 years old, and I survived another Nocturnal. We lost Mm -hmm. in finals or whatever, but I did it. I'm not hurt, and (laughs) that's a great thing. What makes Nocturnal good compared to other indoor tournaments is that you don't have game-by-game-by format, which is Mm -hmm. soul-crushingly terrible and unappealing in outdoor ultimate where you can, like, play spike ball or, like, shotgun beers or do other things. But they have a lot of college players who come from the area, you know, who come in big van loads and and play, which for an old person is, like, great. It's, like, <laughs> just stealing lunch money and <laughs> doing things that people who learned how to throw a flick three months ago aren't aware that you can do. So it's, it's great by that <laughs> metric. I don't remember the format. What I do remember is the guy on my team who had given himself the highest possible rating for the hat pivoting off the wrong foot and throwing a flick into the ground over and over and over and over again. Um, (laughs) One of the biggest problems for you, Pat, at Nocturnal is that you were baggaged with Dave Abbott, who was like a current pony player and not someone you could lie about at all because he was a known commodity. So that was a mistake. Yeah, in hindsight. Because I think think we kind of got fucked because it was like it was us and then – Karen from Bent, who's really good. Okay. So we had, like, good numbers at top, but they then must have just been like, let's give them all of the worst players that are there. Right, all of the theoretically worst players, but sometimes you can actually, like, to win hat leagues and to win hat tournaments like Nocturnal, you have to hit on some of those players. You know what I mean? Oh, 100%. You need to hit on some people who totally sandbag themselves. You need to hit on some players who are actually bad, but kind of for whatever reason their game works with the format that you've got going on, whether it's because it's indoor or because it's beach or because it's just like you have a bunch of tall players and this one really squirrely person can guard handlers even though they suck at everything else. And we just we, we just got we were snake eyes on everything. Yeah. Like it was just the least chemistry there's ever been on a team. And I was, <laughs> that might be the worst, that might be, <laughs> that might be the worst tournament experience I've ever had. Okay, this is our show next week.
worst tournament experience oh we've ever had. All right, so we got two weeks to think yes. about it. <laughs> also, yeah, okay, I'm very intrigued. You know, I have the Google Doc set up with all the tournaments I've been to. I'm going to spend the next two weeks pouring over those, but folks, please send us your worst tournament yes. experience. And not like worst, yes. tur- like I want specifics like Queen City Tune-Up 2011. It was 14 degrees. And what, you know, like let's get as specific as possible. And let's try to make it about like the nature of the tournament and less just specifically what happened to you. Like what happened to you and having some bad luck and stuff happen to you can be part of it, but it shouldn't just be like, this is the tournament where my wife left me. So it was, Although it was send, my worst send tournament. Send those along <laughs> as well. I mean, send those too. <laughs> um, yeah, all right, great. We got, <laughs> we, got, we, got, we got the next show ready to go. This is perfect. But despite all of that, despite all of that, I would commit like truly heinous crimes to, to be playing at Nocturnal right now. Oh, to be sleep-deprived and... Mm. But to be sleep-deprived for a reason other than just the inertia of being on YouTube, yeah. which is what right, right now like boredly, you know, like uh, objecting to bed for no reason other than you liked doing it when you were a kid and that's where you've reverted to. Right. You're like, life is terrible right now, but at least I'm an adult and I get to set my bed. <laughs> that's the amount of control I'm able to exert over my circumstances. So I'm going to stay up until 345 on a work night for just absolutely no reason. Yeah. So we're all we're all in a very good place right now. Yeah. Um, okay, but one uh, actual positive COVID development I want to touch on before we got to break here. Tad, you and Lady Catherine mm. brought home a little bundle of joy. We did, Pat. We got a dog. She's really cute. Uh, we've been looking for a while. We've been looking for a small dog because we live in town and we don't have a big backyard. And there are some people that live in our neighborhood. And we know where they live, like their houses and stuff. Like people that we know that have inappropriate dogs for living in the city. It's like, oh, there's the guy with the Mastiff that lives in the fucking row house. It's like, that's, is that cool? Like, is that, you know, like <laughs> even the fucking dog in the sandlot had that big backyard he could fuck around in. And that was right. fine. So we adopted this Chihuahua. We drove up to Cleveland to get her. All right, Pat, here she is. Oh, wow. This is Pigpen, or Piggy, as we call her around these parts. Oh. She doesn't make noise. She doesn't bark. Really? That's yeah. great. That's like the number one thing you want in a dog. Something we were looking for. And she's seven pounds, which is cool, too. Are you going to ever let her know that she's from Ohio, or are you going to just keep that secret to the grave? Like how, like, Odin never told Loki that he was a frost giant. <laughs> So actually, she's from Kentucky, because that's like the shelter that they pull from, I guess, is something in Kentucky, which is Mm -hmm. also bad because that means she's probably from like the Cincinnati, Newport, Kentucky area, which would make her like a Bengals dog. But we did save this dog from being adopted and named OBJ or like Mayfield or something. Bakes. Miles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or Graham for like Otto Graham, like Kozar. We we <laughs> this dog narrowly avoided being renamed Kozar. I'm actually a little impressed that you didn't just go with the obvious Steelers name. We had, for the dog. we had a conversation about it. Right. Minka was on the table, <laughs> but at least Minka's not like an obvious one. You know, like it's not like you went like Bettis. 
Right. Bussy. Although that Bussy <laughs> Bussy would have been pretty good. Hines, that would be a good one. You could do like Rooney. My buddy Carter, who plays Ultimate, has a dog whose name is Rooney, which is a total he's a season ticket holder, so that's right. why he had to do that. I mean And you have plausible deniability that it's like, oh, it's just like good name, Rooney. You Rooney, know? right. Like uh like Rooney Mara. The girl with the dragon tattoo. Remember her? Her name was Rooney. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the prince, the principal from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> um, I want to just I want to clear the air here, Pat, because you're totally within your rights to light me up, and I can't believe you haven't done it already. But a lot of the content that I've put out in quarantine, very early on, I I was going to ask about this. Yeah, I I recorded like this scathing thing that was based on my neighbor's quote unquote <laughs> dog parent relationship with their awful fucking jerk dog who we share a backyard with who could absolutely eat piggy like a snack i wrote this thing about them and then of course like uh me and my buddy did like a fake tech company where that like pairs lonely people with robot dogs that they can have sex with but the bit was that it was like a tech company and like a high thinking startup right. like the first half of it is a very just accurate spot on parody of just any tech company's stock pump and dump rollout <laughs> bid where they're trying to, you know, like we hear it enter John. So I had a couple friends who watched the first half of the video, shared it in their offices slack. Cause like, haha, it's funny. They're making fun of us. And then the second half of the video no. is like, <laughs> would you like to fuck a robot dog? Yeah. So are you worried? Are you worried about people blowing you up for this? Like you're gonna be, you know, out here just being like, "Look at Piggy," you know, a picture of you guys at an apple orchard or something, and people are just commenting underneath it. But how big is its dick? Right, because that was part of one of the earlier bits. You know what? I deserve it all. I've become mm-hmm. the terrible hypocrite that I hate. But I still, I want to be very clear. I really only like this dog. <laughs> You know what I mean? So like, right? I'm not like the weird dog creep at the fields who's like, "Hey, here's my dog. Anyone want to like take a selfie with it and tag it on Instagram?" Like at Mitzi Instagram dog. It's like, no man, no one wants to do that. And like, fucking get your head in the game. This is quarterfinals. Like, right? It's like you have started picking up disc golf during COVID and yet still find all of disc golf culture weird oh. and repellent. Yes. And you can be like, I really just like this dog. Right. You know, like I like I like going out and playing disc golf, but I'm not a part of the culture of like weird memes about, <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I don't even feel comfortable repeating them here. And we were just talking about fucking robot dogs. Right. Dude, it's true. I mean, yeah. I mean, to be very clear, it's like I like dogs in the same way that like, I am not willing to jump headfirst into going one for one, swapping out the ultimate tournaments I've missed with disc golf tournaments. I enjoy ultimate with two or three friends. My buddy I went to high school with who now plays disc golf. It's fucking great. Do I want to spend six hours on a Saturday talking with a stranger about different types of plastic? No, I would be a chemical engineer if I wanted to do something like that. Just like if I were obsessed with dogs, I'd be a veterinarian or whatever. But 
Yeah. yeah so fuck off, I guess. Is <laughs> All right. I'm glad we cleared that up. Okay. We're going to get into a quick break here and then come out with the meat of the show. Mm. We're going to be talking about the Hex offense, which is, you know, is it the European Revolution? You know, is it the Beatles <laughs> coming and making landfall here in America, changing the game forever? Or is it a bunch of uh, sanctimonious bullshit that uh, would probably get you missing regionals if you tried it in the United States? Let's discuss. Stick around. It's in the fields. If I ever get out of here. College captains claim your free Be Ultimate jersey. Just pay shipping. Be Ultimate wants to give each college captain a firsthand experience of what it's like to work with them. From their performance-focused products to their clear timelines to their outstanding customer service, we at Send the Fields think you'll be in good hands. Tell your college team captains to visit BeUltimate.com and claim your free jersey. Welcome back to Send the Fields. So as we said before the break, the main topic of the show today, the Hex. This offense, you might have heard about it. You certainly have if you are on Ultimate Reddit as Felix's videos go up every week. Oh my God, this looks this throw from Columbia. This was a hex throw. <laughs> it's essentially, it's not a vert stack. It's not a host stack. It's it's a hexagon stack. There's six of them and there's someone with a disc and I don't, I don't understand it. I'm going to be honest with you, Tad. I did a little research for this. I tried to understand it. It doesn't totally make sense. But an article just went up on Ultra World recently, mm. sort of just extolling the virtues of the hexagon, claiming that it's going to be, you know, like the way that everyone is playing in 10, 20 years, basically saying that this is this is the next evolution of the game. What we're doing right now, we're we're all Neanderthals, and this is Billy Bean coming through and revolutionizing everything. And you know, at the sake of appearing like dinosaurs, you know, we're maybe 20 years from now, someone will dig up this audio and be like, look, you were wrong. Fire Pat is partner from his law firm. Right. <laughs> I'm personally a little a little unconvinced by the whole thing. But I don't know. What is your relationship with the Hex? Because I think it's been, it's been around for longer than just recently, right? This has been something that people have like sort of talked about for 10 years now, maybe. Yeah. It's unclear to me where the Hex begins and the motion offense mm -hmm. ex exists. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> So I, I guess I've always been skeptical of it because of its close association with uh, the motion offense, at least in the way that people talk about it and some of the principles. And, and explicitly, too. You know, like explicitly, like some of the hex proselytizers have been like, you know, Frank, kooky guy, but he, he's got some good ideas. Yeah, it's like, okay, wait a second. So Frank is like this genius that is misunderstood when it comes to ultimate strategy. And I feel like that's not... Uh, genuine. I've never like, been my takeaway. Yeah. From, uh... <laughs> yeah. So there's been that whole thing. But the other thing about Hex and Pat, you've been saying this for a long time, you know, ultimate, the athletes, like we're not good yet. We as a sport, as a community, as strategical thinkers of the game are not good yet. So it may seem crazy for you to be like, from an outside, a third party perspective to be pushing against Hex, but the way that Hex is described is like simply imply these offensive principles and this orientation on the field 
and you will score goals because there are more options. Breakthroughs become easier. I don't know, man. I didn't spend my whole <laughs> fucking life working on squaring up dudes that were way taller than me and throwing my sick-ass breaks to have some charlatan, some fly-by-night snake oil salesman <laughs> tell me that it was all worthless and that some Joe Slapdick could have come in and done the same thing with, uh, without beating themselves over the head with things that stress <laughs> the groin, knee, and ankle. <laughs> so I, I guess we, we know where you stand on it now. That doesn't mean it's wrong necessarily. No, it, it doesn't. I mean, my, I, we, we could just be dinosaurs. This is a place of spite that mine comes from. The way that, you know, right. it's like we're not arguing host stack, vert stack, split stack, whatever. And like where hex will eventually fall we use hex when we're between the brick marks or something, or like we right. use hex for these one or two go plays. The same way that split stack, the same way that the German offense, which was three handlers, one cutter in the middle, and then three horizontal handlers was supposed to revolutionize offense when I was a sophomore in college, never came that. to be. It was big in like high school for a little bit because you could just put one guy in the German and, it, you know, it's sort of like, oh, all the youth is playing German. But it was really just because of talent disparity. It was really just because it was a good way if you have one good player to let them just get a million touches. And then once it started trickling into areas where there was actual talent distribution, it was like, oh, no, this is you just this is not better than a bird stack or a host. Right. I guess that's my whole thing. That is this isn't the first time that a new offense has, you know, brought these new looks and principles in. Felix, of course, has the counterpunch to all of this with the flexagon defense which is like mm -hmm. the defensive <laughs> stuff and his defensive stuff makes a lot of sense but like mm -hmm. i guess the important thing to remember the defensive principles in flexagon i think are really cool the only thing that i don't like is it relies on all players to have a hive mind or to be so highly practiced that they can no longer work jobs you know what i right. mean it's like <laughs> yeah. in this situation surround the stack it's like yeah well i would do that if i was able to quit my job and like unlearn everything I've ever learned. So I mean that's that's just a big part of any of these discussions, right? Is like we won't be able to achieve actual optimal strategy on the field until people can just do it full time professionally. And at what point are you actually hurting your performance by playing what in a vacuum could be the optimal way because it's just not feasible for semi-professional or amateur level players to actually do it. So I can't say that the flex and the hex are total frauds and would never work. And that maybe that isn't closer to the best way that Frisbee can be played. Cause with other sports, we're kind of figuring it out. Like in basketball, it's like, okay, just take a million threes, you know, and then, and only dunks and layups and free throws. And it's like, everyone's kind of just all starting to play exactly the same way because the numbers and the analytics and everything sort of just bear out like until the rules change, this is just the best way to play the sport. And there's just not that much of an argument about it anymore. And we're just not even close to that with ultimate. Right. So, you know, there's certainly some good ideas there and everything. I just find the sort of like the cult of the hex baffling to me. You know, just the idea that it's like, no, 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 anyone can do this. It's just these principles like, look, we'll teach it to, this college team and like you should you should actively be doing this right now. So, you know, before we get too far ahead, because, you know, it's not something we're experts on by any means. We wanted to give some other voices a chance here. And 
last show when we had Ravi and Liam from Eurozone on, people who are, you know, on the ground in Europe, the forefront of the Hex Revolution. <laughs> ground zero. Yeah. We wanted to give them, uh, give them a chance, give their perspective. So here's what Ravi and Liam have to say about the Hex. Fellows, I want to ask you something that Pat and I are going to be talking about at some point in the future because you're both on ground zero of this extremely dangerous threat. Um, it threatens the way of life of a lot of people, a lot of vertical stack people, a lot of horizontal stack people. <laughs> of course, we're talking about the hex offense and what appears to be the newest snake oil in ultimate. So do you, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Are you in danger right now? Do you think have you fortified <laughs> your strategic borders against this threat? I am embracing Hex. I'm a converse. I've joined the cult. I will eat whatever placenta we got to eat to, to be part of the Hex group. Whatever I'm, placenta. <laughs> whatever placenta that is, I'm in because I like the shape and bees like it. And bees are cool and smart. So you can't argue with bees. I got nothing bad to say about bees. But yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we both know Felix and work with them, and uh, I'd like to try it out. But uh, yeah, maybe you know you're, you're saying it's a threat, and it seems like we're already we're already in. We've already lost us, I think. Okay, what is the what is the current greatest accomplishment of the hex from a competitive standpoint? Like, what team that plays the hex has accomplished the most lofty? I think there's like a mixed team in Australia or New Zealand or something that uses it, and then I think Felix mainly talks about when. He, his team Brighton, they like lost to Clapham 15-10 instead of 15-7 or something like that. I think that's maybe one of the bigger accomplishments. <laughs> <laughs> As a team, Smog. Smog are a good English mixed team that kind of do all right. I find it just really visually pleasing as a commentator when I see it. Like just looking from a distance from above, it just looks nice. I don't know. Is that is that a reason to like it? <laughs> no. <laughs> it sounds right. fun. I, I like the give go type of move, which is what it really incentivizes a lot. And uh, dribbling, as it's <laughs> so, as it's so Frank was right. So that's the point. That's the point you guys are making. Frank was right. Man, if you go back to some early Felix videos, he did like these long form interviews with Frank. Like he, he yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of comes from that. I just, Frank has no idea how to explain it to a human being, like what's actually in his head. And I think Felix has tried as hard as he could to extract it out. And I think he's like, he can actually talk like a human being. Which Did you guys ever find out if uh, Isaac Saul got oh, that? Uh, oh, yeah. Got, hey. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We have photographic hey. evidence. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I At this point, though, I mean, Felix needs to be like Jennifer Lopez in the cell and like get into Frank's mind. And like, cut a horse in half. <laughs> you should rewatch the cell. <laughs> okay, Pat. So some good thoughts there. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe they're not guzzling it, but they're sipping the Kool Aid a little bit. You know. Oh yeah. They like the shape. <laughs> Very sexy. It's in right now with like Wandavision, and they're calling that the hex and everything. So I feel like there's. Are you watching Wandavision? I'm not. It's pretty good. Okay. It's pretty good. As, as, a, as a Marvel skeptic, I'll say it's pretty good. And uh, 
there's a thing in it that's called the hex. And every time I hear them say it, I just think like, ah, oh, fuck. Right. <laughs> Not this bullshit. <laughs> Um, okay, but, you know, so that's sort of the European perspective. And, you know, in order to balance the scales, we wanted to get an American perspective as well. So here, someone was nice enough to send this audio into the show. This is Brian Kibler. You might recognize him previously from uh, the Stall 7 podcast. This is his take on the hex. Something called the hexagon offense has entered the ultimate zeitgeist popularized on Felix Shardlow's YouTube channel and gaining further traction in an article by Valerio Iani published by UltiWorld in the end of January. Now, I haven't watched a Felix video in its entirety because if I wanted to experience two hours of someone abusing the pause button while talking over the interesting parts, I would just rent Tenet with my dad. And I only read about three quarters of Valerio's article because of my character flaws. But the Hex offense is clearly destined to fail like the USSR, East Germany, and the rest of the communist states that I'm pretty sure also failed because it's un-American horse shit. First of all, Shardlow and Valerio are both from Europe, so strike one. Second, Shardlow and Valerio describe the hex offense as an egalitarian system that does away with traditional, isolation-based stack offense and distributes the disc quickly and evenly between players. In the hex, you take whatever throw the defense gives, which makes getting separation as easy as cashing a government assistance check. Sounds great, right? Wrong. The last time I signed a club waiver, it was on the USA Ultimate website. And in the USA, we value the rugged individualism of a cutter isolated in a vert stack. There is virtue in picking up your lunch pail, challenging your defender, and earning separation with as many juke moves as the job requires. We choose to isolate, not because it is easy, but because it is hard. Shardlow and Valerio claim that in the hex, sequences of uncontested passes prevent defenders from locking in. This creates effortless breakthrough opportunities. Well, I grew up in a part of the country where we blasted through mountains with dynamite because that's where we wanted to put train tracks. Do you think I'm afraid to use nine seconds and six pump fakes to break a flick force? Another core tenant of the hexagon offense is negative space. Negative space refers to intentional backward passes to redirect the flow. While I am greatly in favor of using super dumps to fuck with inept college players in an alumni game, utilizing them as a genuine competitive strategy is cowardice of the highest level. Whatever happened to Manifest Destiny, this country was literally founded on the idea of striding forward regardless of the dangers that lie ahead or the people already living there, poached defenders in this metaphor. If Lewis and Clark had moved backwards, they would have ended up in Trenton, New Jersey, and eventually the Atlantic Ocean both of which had already been discovered. I don't know how to fit this into the larger critique, but Valerio unironically references Frank Huguenard's dribbling concept as an inspiration for the Hex offense. Frank just lost $15,000 worth of gold betting against Joe Biden's inauguration. He's also famous for claiming that he dominated a ring of fire practice at the age of 54 and saying Jimmy Mickle sucks. I didn't know how to segue into that, and I certainly don't know how to segue out of it. So I want you to go take a second and look up a diagram of the hex. It's just a fucked up host stack with a couple of cutters who are too lazy to clear out of the deep space. What I've described to you so far should make you angry. What I'm about to describe should make you afraid and disgusted. In Valerio's own words, the hex, quote, does away with traditional handler and cutter roles. This should be gravely concerning to anyone who values the American way of ultimate. College freshmen need the stability of a traditional ultimate upbringing. 
They should be taught how to throw and dump cut by an upperclassman handler and how to clear space and make continuation cuts by an upperclassman cutter. It is the natural order of things. Also, we need to consider the slippery slope. If we're getting rid of the handler-cutter designation today, what's next? Zone offense with only poppers? A cup with five short deeps? We are inviting a moral decay into this country that will inevitably destroy our way of life. Valerio tries to establish Hex's fides in his article by bragging about third-place finishes in D3 Metro East Regionals and New Zealand Mixed Nationals. You know what we win in America using vert stack? Worlds. We blast up the four side regardless of the defense. We pump fake five times and then bomb at 80 yards. We marry Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. You can pry the vert stack out of our cold, dead hands. Wow. <laughs> Look, say what you will about, about all of that, but at least there's a, you know, at least there's an ideology going on there. At least there's a, there's a sense of purpose. I feel a powerful powerful need now to rally against the hex after hearing that. <laughs> I might need a minute, you know, I need to go for a walk and come back and we can record the rest of the show, but make some really, really compelling points. Go look at a cemetery for a little while. Like I think about Normandy. Mm-hmm. Putting everything else aside, does it actually work? Is it the future of the game? Can we agree that it is preposterous how not even just well it's being received, but how lightly a lot of these claims are being received by the ultimate community. Imagine imagine if a mid-tier college team wrote this piece on UltiWorld about how they had revolutionized offense while simultaneously getting chewed up and spat out by every legitimate team they played. Like, like there are people in this Reddit thread that are bragging about using it to beat Brown B. Like, literally. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It was uncanny. We were beating this B team. I can't believe how well it worked. <laughs> the article mentions Stevens Tech, who that year finished fifth in Metro East D3 as this like, look, it works in America too. Let me tell you, as someone who spent a lot of time in Metro East D3, the fifth place team in what is almost always a one bid Metro East D3 region is not your shining example. This is not your Oakland A's have won 20 straight games. <laughs> going to win the AL West example here. I'm just saying someone did this, came out, it's a revolution. Everyone will be playing this way. Frank was right. Also, we've lost to every good team we've played against. They would get crushed. Like, I'm trying to think of some mid-tier college team. You know, if like, um, like if Xavier came out and did this or whatever, you know, or like <laughs> something like that. Yeah. It'd just be, people would be mocking them incessantly, but it's like European, so I guess it's fine. I guess it's okay. <laughs> Charlie's like, we're going to put the world back in ulti world. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to let this go. He's, you know, he's like wearing his little visor, you know, he's like bank teller visor, smoking a cig. He's like, you know, this is good. This is good for business. This is good for everybody. <laughs> Daddy eats, we all eat. Right. <laughs> and just to kind of pull the curtain back, Charlie does refer to himself as daddy mm-hmm. pretty regularly in work communication. The, the thing is this, you know, who'd be really good if they ran Hex? Revolver would be pretty good if they ran Hex. Right. Fury, man, they would be really, they would be sweet at Hex. What Felix is doing, and he's doing a great job, he's a smart guy, we should probably have him on the show as some kind of make good when we start getting bullied (laughs) by (laughs) Europeans. What Felix is doing is he's branding Hex in a way that is accessible, that makes people want to learn it, 
which is great. Some of the principles of Hex I don't think are so new. And like when we talk about making breakthroughs easier, it's like, why swing the disc when you get a dump? It's like, because the mark is not really set. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. these are all things that we've come to accept. And I'm sure that some of these principles of Hex and Felix has also done a great job to codify these things, which is super important. What he's doing is a more accessible version of what Mike Garrix used to do with the 1.6 vert, mm-hmm. which was what Wolfcamp was based around. And for my old heads out there, I know you know what I'm talking about, but Pat, Wolfcamp was this camp run by Mike G in North Carolina where he taught, it was an offensive-only camp. He taught the 1.6 vert stack and like the moves and the counter moves and the set plays that got you goals. And I watched a depleted Bucknell team in 2008. They lost, you know, they graduated like four starters that played like all their points from the year before. So was that before or after Wodatch graduated? Wodatch was there and he okay. was a junior. Right. They went to Wolf Camp and they ran the Wolf Camp set and they beat Penn State in the game to go to regionals. Or like, in a, you know, they went to regionals and it's because they were running the 1-6 vert. But Mike G was a terrible dickhead that everyone who was a generation older than myself hated because of these bad on-field interactions, his RSD presence. I always had cool interactions with Mike, but I don't think I ever played against him. I'm a two-time Wolf camper. I would have gone back a third time if my college team was going. I've, I've always had great experiences at Wolf camp. But like, he was incapable of branding it in a palatable way. Mm-hmm. But the 1-6 vert stack, like a lot of those principles and rules apply to host stack offenses. And they teach you how to play defense based on the moves that you know are coming when someone is running a vert stack. So like Felix has that going for him and it's great, but like th- this is not reinventing the offense. This isn't the West Coast offense. Like what's right. old is new again. Like force middle's hot again. I don't, you know, I don't know if this, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's time to burn those playbooks yet. It seems like a lot of rhetorical tricks to get to the point of it seeming super valuable. And again, this is not a personal attack on Felix. I think we're, we'll probably be obligated to have him on the show at this point to like tell us why we're wrong about all of this. And here's the thing, we're not Cody Mills, all right? Cody Mills can probably actually tell you why Hex is a bad idea and he's not running it at Cal Poly slow. For me, it's more just a gut thing. (laughs) It's just a, but you know, just saying like, look, if none of the space is valuable, you know, we don't separate break space and open space. We don't make break space more valuable than any other space. If none of the space is valuable, all of the space is valuable. You know, like this sort of like existential postmodern. So how many shares would you like to buy? Yeah, like it's the, that's (laughs) like, that's the fucking linchpin of the whole pitch of, but on a fundamental level, and I have to give you credit for this because this was your line when we were texting about this a couple of weeks ago, but it's just like, at a basic level, the tenant of Hex is, oh, so you want to fairly distribute the disc across seven players who all couldn't make Garden State. You know, <laughs> great. Did I say that? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I know. I Look, I know that I said that, but I mean, that's the... It's, it's a perfect summation of it. Like, you know, I would love to see Felix bring a team that plays Hex over from the UK and watch them lose to, like, I don't know, Big Wrench. You know? <laughs> just, I mean... Is that not what would happen? They're, they're like, let's find out. Yeah. Let's, hey, let's do it. We will sponsor that. We will do... Yeah. We, will be, we will be the mouthpiece for that game. 
Yeah, man, I, I I don't know. Like, do you still run hex against a zone? Like, I haven't watched enough about it to know. Like, if someone is running a one three three, do you stay in the hex shape? Are you still running quote unquote hex offense? Like, is it? I mean, again, we're ignorant on this, and we're just <laughs> and we're just trashing this thing we know nothing about, right. right? Yeah, yeah. But I've decided that that's the where I want to be on on that line. I want I want to be on the anti hex line. I think. Yeah. Yeah, it feels good. It feels right. Yeah. I look. I was not anti-hex. I'm. I'm still probably not technically anti-hex, but like, I'm certainly anti people getting hyped up about it and telling me my fucking business. Like, I'm gonna be teaching this to kids in 20 years. <laughs> like, it's the fucking gospel. You know, this is ridiculous. I. I don't. I'm. <laughs> That's the thing. I think you've more accurately conveyed what I'm feeling right now. So there was something that snapped in me when I saw the guy bragging about beating Brown B using the hex. Yeah, fuck totally, off. Totally sincerely. Oh. Just completely sincere. Yeah, I mean. Just because there's a big part of me that wants to see that person just get crushed, you know? Like, let's say it was, you know, Oklahoma State is like, you know, hyping up one of their players for all region because of this sick game they had against Brown B. It's ridiculous. You know? Yeah, the, the measuring you dunk on stick that person. is dumb right so that's that's where where a lot of this is coming from i think and maybe european ultimate is just a healthier better environment where people can just be proud of themselves and support others for their achievements and come up with more creative ideas and stuff like this and and we're we're wrong you know there's a (laughs) there's a good chance that just we're just wrong but i think i'm just too deep in it at this point to know any other way i mean I don't want to go too far back into this, but like Boston Ironside ran one six vert like forever. And it got to the point where they were like getting dogged for it because people considered it to be like an archaic offense. Mm-hmm. But like it worked. And but it worked because they got Kurt Gibson. You know, it worked because they got John Stubbs. It worked yeah. because they eventually just like had enough talent. Exactly. Like, so before we. <laughs> Before we throw it all out and like adopt hex and the idea that these certain things don't matter, like let's just let's just fucking pump the brakes for a second. And also, if anyone calls in a real way and not in like a meme way for dribbling at pickup when play returns, I will freak out and I will, <laughs> uh, you know, be on the other side of some kind of like complaint letter to CPU. So, <laughs> yeah, Felix, you can come on the show. If anyone else would like to defend the hex in some cogent way that is not, you know, we beat Brown B with it, right? Or not, you know, like, oh, I finished fifth at Dutch Indoor Nationals, let us know and maybe we'll feel shame. Which is no one. So, Felix, right, send the fields <laughs> at alterworld.com. Um, we're taking a quick break here and then we'll be coming back with some trash, trash, fuck boy. And the submissions you all sent in about what the stakes of that 10-year bet should be. Stick around. It's in the fields. Welcome back to Sin the Fields. Tad, is that a mule there you got going? Yeah, I got a mule rocking. Well, whatever you're drinking at home, listener... I hope it's looking as good and tasty mm. as... Oh, man, you got the copper mug. Oh, oh you got to nice. have the copper mug. Tito's. That's looking, that's looking real good. Let me give you the little secret here, folks. Mm-hmm. Secret to a great mule, Krabby's ginger beer. 
It's alcoholic ginger beer. It's like 4.5%. Oh, okay. That's what it takes because it's not too sweet. It's not like just drinking, you know, half of a Coke or like a fucking Fanta with vodka. Right. It's, <laughs> you know, it's subtle. So, mm-hmm. pro tip. I like that. <laughs> Look how fucking worn out this cup is, by the way. <laughs> Looks like the Statue of Liberty. It's fucking terrible. Oh. <laughs> uh. Okay, before we get to Trash Trash Fuckboy here, I want to thank everybody who sent suggestions in for the 10-year bet, which if you didn't listen to two episodes ago, a buddy of mine, Alex, who we played club together, have made a bet over who at the end of the decade will have more Ballon d'Ors between Kylian Mbappe and Erling Holland, which if you don't follow European soccer, that's just nonsense. I was sure that that was Quidditch. I I was sure (laughs) you were talking about Harry Potter universe stuff. I'm glad to know it's about soccer, though. Basically, it would be like, to translate it to to American sports enthusiasts, it would be like during Crosby and Ovechkin's second year, making a bet on who would win more MVPs over the course of a decade. It's kind of like that, that kind of situation. Okay. All right. Man, fuck Ovechkin. <laughs> Seems like a fun guy, though. Seems like a great guy to... I would absolutely way rather go to a bar with Ovechkin than Crosby, though. Because Crosby's like, wow, man, that was a lot of fun, that one beer. I'm going to brush my teeth in the bathroom, and I'm going to go home. <laughs> Which, like, brush them again me. when I get home. Yeah, exactly, right, because, you know, like, dental, he, like, has some stat about it or something. So. Yeah. So here are some of the better ones that we've collected here. And if you'll remember from before, the leader in the clubhouse heading into this is having to play club sectionals, mixed sectionals in 2030. How can this be topped is my question. (laughs) Okay. I can't believe we're revisiting this. That's such a good option. And maybe none of these get over the top, but there's some good stuff on here. High bar. And thanks to everybody, particularly on the Discord, coming through with this on the Ultra World Discord. The staff really kind of perked up in a way that they don't always do on this. Mm. So we a couple of people uh, suggest taking like really inconvenient methods of transport to events, like taking a bus to college nationals, stuff like that. Charlie coming in with take a barge across the Atlantic to Worlds. Oh my which God. I, which I'm partial to because I really like, <laughs> I really like the idea of doing that. Then there was some like gross ones from actually I think this is from one of the STF All Stars. Was uh, you can take dumps exclusively in porta potties for a week. That's such a light thing to do compared to what we've talked about. <laughs> compared to crossing the Atlantic on a barge or playing mixed sectionals. <laughs> like <that's... laughs> next, we've got I think this was from Mags Colvette playing guts at the highest available competitive level in 2030. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I wonder if... I don't even know where you would begin to get into gut. Like, you have to find, like, a guy who knows a guy. Yeah. To, like, get into the underground gut circuit. Prove your bona fides. They have to vet you to make sure you're not there to make fun of them. Or, like, they've had, like, several other copycat bets between now and then where they're like, okay, well, you're just some ultimate dickhead who's going to... It's like when you're uh, an undercover cop and they make you, like, shoot your partner to prove that you've actually, like, moved over from <laughs> Ultimate. We've got a run for local public office with some effort to win. That's easy. Which seems like, uh, with some effort to win, I don't know, it feels like it would be, like, a, a black mark if your opponent dug this up and found I, I, <laughs> my, I think my opponent is running for office on a bet. 
Well, for local public office, I think that that makes you more likely to win because people are like, he's a person of his word. Right. Which means you might have to actually serve in office. Right. I don't know if we – we told the story about my buddy who won inspector of elections with two votes on this story. No, I don't think we have. Okay. Well, we'll have him on someday, but – all right. Yeah. <laughs> that it 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 can happen and it does suck <laughs> badly. Like it sucks. Okay, so we'll put that in the maybe pile okay. then. Try out and play an entire season with the lowest ranked mixed team in your section. So, you know, kind of some similar themes. Try oh, I, I, <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> well, you're gonna do them the disservice of trying out and showing up and being like, I'm here because you're the lowest ranked mixed team. <laughs> Um, introduce spirit circles to pick up basketball games at your local YMCA. Okay, that actually That's pretty good. Yeah, but you need to decide on a number, like right. How many? You know, like twenty should be it. Like, guys, bring oh bring it in, bring it in, and people are bring like, "Oh, in. this is prayer," and I'm just gonna like participate in this at the level I feel comfortable in, and it's even worse than prayer. You have to explain spirit, you know, like something I live my life by, like a code is spirit of the game. And people are like, oh, sportsmanship. And you're like, well, (laughs) actually, you read from the rule book. Mm -hmm. So it's very unclear as to what your motives are and if this is actually religious. And you never explain it in any way other than just diverting it back onto them and being like, look, I'm just here because clearly there's a need. All right. (laughs) accountability Accountability. is really important fair play and maybe you don't know anything about that but i'd like to teach you oh my god okay all right mary Mary poppins spirit into a local ymca (laughs) basketball this is in the pile with mixed sectionals okay so like the top tier the top tier yes but here's the thing though it's 15 games, not the same game. 15 games. Right. Okay, a couple others real quick. Has to bring a whammo to every sporting event they attend for a year. That's not bad. So both your own league, you have to be like the guy who shows up with a whammo. And okay. if you're going to, you know, a baseball game, you got to bring a whammo with you into the... It's like, hey, go Bucks. Oh my God. <laughs> got a whammo. Uh, get a tattoo of Charlie's face, but what Charlie looks like 10 years from now, which will probably be a, basically the same. I think yeah. Charlie's going to not age at all. No, he's going to be looking good, but you're both like actively encouraging him. Like, so Charlie, like holiday season, better lay off the sweets. You know, right. you're like, <laughs> I want the most uh, handsome version of you as possible. Uh, this one from Ryan Turner, I liked a lot. Apply to as many jobs as possible until you get hired using only your ultimate resume. But that's like one job. You think you get hired in a, re- a resume that has literally only the ultimate teams you've played on? Yeah. In this economy? <laughs> yes. I guess, I guess who knows what it'll be like in 2030. Well, I mean, it's like, okay, so like, let's see your resume. It's like, okay, I see you worked for John Doe Landscaping. They're in D.C., right? You're like, yeah, like D.C., Baltimore, DMV area. They're like, yeah, cool. So like tomorrow, 8 a.m., don't be late. Are you a drinker? Are you a drinker? Fair enough. Uh, And then the last one I want to read here, which I also – there's no way that we could actually do this, but it's play a full club season 10 years after the 10-year bet is settled. 
So like 2040. Okay, that's that's like a sick life. I'd, so I'd, I'd be I'd be 48. Yeah. I mean, Trey Katzenbach is playing, still playing club, and he's 43 or something, 44. You know what the difference between you and <laughs> Trey Katzenbach is? That, uh, <laughs> I, you tell me. He is Harrison Ford right. in Air Force One. <laughs> yeah. Get off my plane. And you are uh, like a normal person. I think he was like 40. He's, he's like 48 now. He was like 43 playing at Rockford Nationals with Patrol in 2016. In 16. Like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's, so that's the pile. So it seems as though it's really, it's the spirit circles at a local YMCA basketball games or playing mixed sectionals in 10 years. Okay. I don't know if this is my call, but I'm just going to give you what Mm -hmm. I think. Okay. Uh, I know Alex and I know that Alex will fulfill the bet, but I know that you're going to enjoy like when the bet is settled, you're going to be like, it's settled, and I am the kind of person who now will fulfill my end of the bet, and I will do it enthusiastically because I'm a sick, sick man. Or Right, because the only way out is through. Right, exactly. So from that standpoint, I know that Alex would hate the playing mixed sectionals bet mm-hmm. because you can, you know, that you actually have to like do, do. Whereas the spirit circle at the local basketball games, while good, I would love to see you personally lose that bet because of how well you would sell it. You know what I mean? Like you would go like storefront preacher, like uh, fucking there will be blood type. Um, you ever felt there's something missing in your life? <laughs> would you like to fill it? I've got a little book for you. And I oh, are you like a Mormon? Like, No. We hate Mormons here. (laughs) Ten simple rules. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think we can go wrong, but like, dude, the sectionals thing is just so good because of how out there and terrible it is. And because you know, you just, it's going to be a referendum on yourself the whole time. You're just going to be peering deep into your soul the entire weekend. Every bad decision you've made related to ultimate is all going to be avalanching right right at you at that moment. You're right. That's got, it's got to be it. That's that's, that's got to be the one. So thanks to everybody who sent suggestions in, but you wasted your time because uh, <laughs> this, is, this is what we're doing. Okay, before we get out of here, we got Trash Trash Fuckboy. And before that, real quick, make sure you hop on over to this In the Field Subscribers Only Lounge. USAU just put out their sort of revamped return to play guidelines. And what jumped out to us about it is some of the hygiene dictates mm. that they're now expecting to be practiced. And... You know, we just got thinking about just which which of the like actual like on field player behaviors, particularly as it relates to like, oh, we're gonna be very clean, we're gonna decontaminate the disc and stuff like that, are actually feasible and can be followed. So we're, we're gonna talk about that in in the field subscribers only lounge, sort of based on our years of experience. But yeah, make sure you subscribe to check that out. You can check out our all the previous entries in the lounge. You know, they're all just queued up there waiting for you on mm. demand. Mm. Um, mm. Give you a little taste of the lounge up front. So make sure you go do that. But for now, we've got Trash Trash Fuckboy here this week. And I'll start out with the first trash, which is one of my interns who will go unnamed. You know, it's been a long pandemic. We've all spent a lot of time 
on Zoom, and I'm sure there's been a mishap here or there for all of Pat us. I caught him jerking one. off on Zoom. <laughs> what I, what did happen? Oh my god! Is not quite that bad, but like, there's an implication. God. <laughs> We log in for this meeting, and this is not first thing in the morning. You know, it's one thing if it's like, oh, this is like an 8.30 a.m. meeting, and some wires got crossed or whatever. This was like 11 a.m., and he signs on, and his Zoom name is The Condor. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh... (laughs) And it was just very awkward the whole time, and he, like, he, you could tell that he was like, oh, fuck. Like, if he had played it cool, it kind of could have maybe been like, oh, like, it was just like a jokey thing or whatever. But he was like, oh, no, like, I'm going to be fired for this. We're sort of like. Right. So then you're like, then you're like, we should give him a hard time. Right. And then we did. And we started calling him Condor. And uh, so the trash here, the trash here is 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 my intern for this because it's like it. Yet you had all morning, you know, you had all morning mm-hmm. stuffing out whatever you do in the night before. That's fine. It's been a long pandemic. Whatever you got to get going on. But like, come on, man, don't right. don't bring the condor into work. You're putting me in an awkward <laughs> position. Yeah, whatever kind of weird Autobahn role play stuff you're into <laughs> right? is fine. But there is a requisite amount of shame you need to carry with you. Yeah. And condor your trash. Trash. That's right. Next one here, some of you may have heard, if you're subscribers, Charlie Eisenhood had Marquez Brownlee, a.k.a. YouTube's famous MKBHD, mm. on the show. And uh, it was a really good episode. Definitely recommend going and listening to it. But Charlie is trash this week because he did not ask the real hard-hitting questions to Marquez that he crowdsourced from <laughs> people in the Discord. Yeah, the Discord. You know, we put a lot of time and effort in coming up with these questions, and Charlie refused to confront and ask the hard questions to Marquez about, like, hey, how come you motherfuckers failed to get a second bid to Nationals for the region in 2014? Pretty inexcusable. You played some, like, unsanctioned indoor tournament at Yale or some bullshit, I think. Played so, high tide that year as well. They did. They definitely did. Did not bring in that second bid. And, uh, you know, I just feel like stuff like that should have been asked. And I don't put that on Marquez. He wasn't dodging it. But, you know, Charlie, if you're going to call yourself a journalist. Right. You know, you got to you gotta ask these tough questions. You can't pander. You're garbage. You know, you got to ask him, like, hey, uh, why did you think it was a good idea to bring a Tesla to Fool's Fest? You know? Oh, my God. <laughs> you got to. Oh, my God. You know what? I'm shocked that they didn't get a bid in 2014. And I know nothing about... D3 Metro East, and I know even less about it at that time, but I played Stevens Tech at high tide in 2014 when I was 27, a week from turning 28, picking up with WVU, and I thought they were pretty fucking good, man. Like, (laughs) shouldn't they have? They were. I mean, they, they were coming off of making semis at nationals the year before. They brought back a bunch of their best guys. And they just dropped the ball during the regular season and created a choke point. I mean, we ended up going to nationals that year, so I don't have like deep seated grievance, but it's just been one of those like inexplicable things the whole way of just like, why didn't you motherfuckers like actually care about getting a bid? Right. Created bad blood in the in the region. There's a long way to go for Pat to say that Geneseo made <laughs> nationals in twenty fourteen. I mean I was wondering. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I did, I did knock Marquez out two years in a row, ended his career the next year in 2015. But, you know, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I only say that because he is a wildly successful, really great guy and very personable, and I'm very envious of him. Three great reasons to hate a person. Right, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I respect the hell out of Marquez because he is rich as fuck, and he still is like out here staying in shitty hotels and grinding on like horrible fields. And he's like, he like actually is a weirdo who genuinely cares about Ultimate. And Ultimate is like, like him being very successful, like allows him to like commit to Ultimate and do a lot of Ultimate stuff. And he's not, you know, he's not out here just being like, oh, I'm God's gift to Ultimate. Then you, I'm deigning to allow my presence amongst all of you. Like, you know, he genuinely right, is like, like Brody, for example. Right, exactly like Brody. Seriously. He's not like that. Yeah. No, he's, he's like, yeah, Marquez, he's Mar- Marquez is legit. A genuinely good dude in the few interactions I've had with him. I remember playing against him when he was like in high school or I imagined in high school. Cause I felt like he played college for a long time um, when he was on garden state and, uh, and props to him for sticking around at garden state for a couple years extra trying to he really, he, he really did. I mean, you know, to be fair though, I think he had the right approach on this because if garden state had made nationals, it would have been like huge and a big fuck you and a big, it, you know, much like in that Charlie interview, it's like, that's why I stuck with D3, because I learned how to do more stuff, and I got better at being a uh, a more well-rounded player and having all of these different things I could do instead of being pigeonholed into, like, being just a puller or just a D-line handler or a cutter or whatever. The one thing that I'm really envious of is, like, because he's so successful and because, like, he's, like, a real person is that ultimate makes him like quirky and colorful and it's like mm. part of his personality and not the defining characteristic that has <laughs> ruined my life, you know? <laughs> That's a high bar though. That's a high bar to set for for everyone, you know. I'm I'm happy to see that he is like despite being incredibly successful and like hanging out with Kobe and Bill Gates and stuff is still like, you know, out here playing in the mud at club sectionals and stuff. So. Yeah. Good luck yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Our fuck boy this episode. I'm not even going to go back and look up this person's name, but I posted something online or on Twitter recently. Someone was like, hey, it's hard to get contractors to call you back when you want work done on your house. And I don't know how the back and forth went, but I was like, yeah, you know, I just got some bids for some pointing work. And for all you youngsters out there, pointing when you own a home is the grout between bricks that if you don't take care of, you know, like your fucking chimney can fall down and shit like that. So, and that's bad. Yeah. You don't want that. Right. So someone hit me up on Twitter and was like, was like, yeah, do you have any recommendations for pointers in town? Because I can't find one. I DM them. I'm like, Hey man. Yeah. Here's, here's what I would say. I've gotten three bids. Here's what the bids are. Here's what I like about each contractor. You know, here are the prices that they came in at. Here's, like, the scope of work we wanted. This includes getting the lentils done. And uh, the guy responds with, T-Y, all lowercase, no punctuation. Hmm. Oh, okay, man. Sorry you couldn't take the fucking time to type out thank you or, like, awesome, dude, I really appreciate it, like, T-Y? Are you fucking kidding me? Like, 
have some courtesy. And also, I know that this guy belongs to the German club, mm. where I am um, often want to drink a beer. Obviously, not in the last eleven months, but when I return there and I identify him, uh, I'm gonna like Costanza put myself in a situation where I'm able to say ty to him, right? Uh, jerk store type. Yes, the <laughs> jerk store deal. type thing <laughs> that will 100 percent not live up to my own expectations right. that I played out in my head, where he will be like, he won't be like, oh, I've been got. He'll be like, cool, you know, yeah. uh, YW. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to put him in a situation that you've created, where then you need to like bail him out so that he can or you can thank him. Oh wait, no. How would this even work? <laughs> I don't know, but I I'm hate running, it. Right. I hate it. This guy's a fuck boy, and don't worry, Pat. I will. Uh, I'll let you know how it goes when my great revenge plot fails. Hey, folks! If you have not yet done so, please follow us on Twitter, at SinTheFields. Uh, as always, you can send us an email. Please send us emails uh, and stories on Twitter. About your worst tournament experience. Yeah, your worst tournament experience. Send the fields at altyworld.com because we got nothing, and uh, <laughs> we're ready to make a show out of it, baby. Be our content, folks. You want to be a star? <laughs> you want to be in the pictures? <laughs> Uh, for Tad Whistle, I'm Patrick Stegemiller. It's rich. It's compelling. It's in the fields. Baby, you can fuck my dog. <laughs> Here's a gun and do a whole stack.